Last week, we started a new series called Names of God, right? As we're looking at four different names of God over four different weeks. And so when we learn and understand some of the different names of God, it helps us to understand some of the different characteristics of God, right? There's, there's a lot of different characteristics or different attributes of God. And, and so sometimes it, when we understand some of the different names of God or, or, you know, some of the different ways we can refer to God, it helps us to gain a better understanding of God. And sometimes it can help us to even, helps us to understand how we can pray to God. Better ways to call out and say, you know, if we understand specific names of God, we can pray in different ways. And so I just, I want to take some time over these next few weeks and look at a few different names uh, of God from Scripture. And so we've been looking at the book of Exodus and pulling out a few different names of God. And so today, again, we're going to be looking at Exodus. But before we get to Today's name, I just want to quickly look at last week in case you weren't here, or just a little bit of a recap. And so, last week we looked at Exodus chapter 3, and we started with the story of Moses and the burning bush. And we looked at God referring to himself as I am, or Yahweh, sometimes you may hear it called. But we, we looked at it as I am. And we looked at it, as I said, Exodus chapter 3. And so, right. The Israelites have been in Egyptian captivity for 400 years at this point. And so all of a sudden, God re reveals himself to Moses when he's out in the wilderness. He's tending sheep, and all of a sudden, God shows up in the form of this burning bush. And Moses is out there, and this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And God starts to talk to him through this burning bush. And so after 400 years of basically being in captivity and hearing about who God is, God revealed himself once again to the Israelites because they knew who he was from hearing stories of, of the God of their forefathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the Israelites didn't really know who God was personally. They didn't really know him. They just knew of kind of who God was. And so God revealed himself by saying, I am. He revealed himself as the I am to the Israelites, a God who is self-existent, a God who always had been, and a God who always will be. Uh, a God who provides for his children, a God who takes care of those who are in need, a God who heard the affliction of the Israelites in their captivity in Egypt, the God who is active in the lives of those who he cares for, a God who reminds them that even in our weaknesses, in our shortcomings, that he is more than enough, right? Because Moses questioned him, he said, but who am I? He said, but God, who am I that I'm going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I am. He said, I am. I am going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Right? God was going to work through Moses, but he was telling him, I'm going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And so our job is simply to submit and do whatever God is asking us to do. That was the bottom line. Our job is to submit and do whatever God is asking us to do. 
So getting ready for today, we're going to look at the term or the name for God, Almighty. Or another term would be El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the name that we're going to be looking at today. And some of you maybe have heard that before. Some of you maybe you haven't. And we'll look at that a little bit deeper in a minute. But first I want to share a time with you when God provided for me or told me, you know, a story about, you know, how God is bigger and stronger and more powerful, right, than our tiny, puny little problems that we have in our lives, right? I can think of a bunch of times, right? Like when I was in middle school and my best friend Jeff moved away, and you're in middle school and you're thinking, man, my best friend moved away. How am I ever going to get a new best friend, right? You're in that and you're going like, it's the end of your world, right? And you know what? God replaced the Jeff with a Garrett. And the Garrett was better than Jeff. You know, because that, that's what God does. God brings somebody else into our lives. You know, or, or there was a, you know, recently my, my car, my transmission went out in my car. And what did God do? God, God graciously had someone gift us another vehicle. You know, God, God takes care of people in ways like that. And he's like, you think these tiny little puny problems are too big for me to take care of these kind of things? You know, you think that's something that I can't handle? Those are, those are tiny things compared to what God can do. He's so amazing. And in each and every one of those situations, God provided something that was better than what I had before. Usually, you know, sometimes in those situations, something crazy happens in the middle of all that, sometimes something you weren't expecting. And I know that many of you go, I have stories like that. I've got testimonies where, you know, it seemed like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. All of a sudden, I, I, I'm missing something or something changed. Maybe, maybe in your life, all of a sudden you had to move and you're thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God provides. Maybe you lost your job and all of a sudden God provides the perfect job that was better, that provided exactly what you needed in that season, in that time. But God shows up and he does something miraculous in those moments. So today we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can feel free to turn there. Otherwise, as always, the scripture will be on the screen behind me as well. So to give you a little context from chapter 3 where we were last week to chapter 6 to catch you up. So at this point, Moses and his brother Aaron has joined up with him at this time. Because again, Moses and his insecurities is like, man, I can't do this by myself. And God's like, okay, you can bring your brother Aaron along with you. He'll help you. He can kind of be the one that will speak with you. And he can, he can be your confidence, basically. He can come alongside you and help you in that way. And they went to Pharaoh. And they, they went up to Pharaoh and like, Pharaoh, you need to let the Israelites go. You need to let them go. God said, you need to let the Israelites go. And Pharaoh, what did he do? He's like, okay, no. He's like, yeah, right. I'm going to make them work harder, and I'm going to give them less supplies to do it. I'm going to make it harder for them to work, and they're going to have to do it quicker. Right? And so he made their job more difficult. Pharaoh made their job more difficult for them. So here's where we pick it up now in, in chapter 6 of Exodus, sort of verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, 
I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So there again, we read in that verse, in verse 3 there, he said, I am. He referred to himself as I am, or Yahweh, which we talked about last week. But there's more. He adds another name, God Almighty, or in Hebrew, El Shaddai, as we're going to read here, picking up in verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cana, the land in which they sojourn. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you um, with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you from my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, whom brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. El Shaddai. You may have heard that before, as I said. God Almighty. Almighty. That's a word, almighty, which, which means mountain. If you look at it, if you look at it in ancient languages, the word almighty actually means mountain. And if you look at the word shad, which Shaddai comes from the word shad, in Hebrew, it actually means the word breast. That's what it means. It comes from the word breast. So you look at that and you go, okay, so mountain and breast. That, that's, those are the two words that this makes up here. And you go, that, that's kind of a, an interesting combination of, of two words to look at when you're looking at a name for God. But when, when you think about it, it, it makes sense. It's important. It, what, what is it? It nourishes. It supplies. It satisfies. It's a powerful mountain. God is a powerful mountain. He supplies. He nourishes. He satisfies. They really only fit together when you think about a name of God. Otherwise, we're pretty confused about what it could mean, right? How many of you here before, um, I explained what El Shaddai meant, knew what it meant? How many of you knew what it meant? Maybe a few in here this morning knew what it meant, but I'm going to guess that most of us probably didn't know what it meant. But now, hopefully, it makes a little bit more sense. He's a powerful provider. He's powerful. He's a provider. Almighty El Shaddai in the story is about to do something huge in Egypt for the sake of his enslaved people, the Israelites. And this is where things get really interesting in the story, right? Who knows what happens next? Pharaoh lets the Israelites go, right? No. Now we get to read about the plagues coming upon Egypt. So we're not going to actually read through all the ten plagues and what happens with the ten plagues, but I do want to take a few minutes and, and kind of just look at it from a little bit different standpoint than we often do when we talk about the ten plagues. Um, because So God sends the ten plagues, right? But one thing I hadn't really known before or really 
looked at from this standpoint is, okay, so we know the Egyptians had all kinds of different gods. They had all their different small g gods that they worshipped. In each of the ten plagues that God sent upon the Egyptians, all counteracted different Egyptian gods that they served. And so that's one of the things that God was doing when he sent these plagues. It wasn't God just didn't send ten, ten random plagues against the, against the Egyptians. It wasn't like, oh, I just, I'm going to go turn the Nile River into blood because I want to turn the Nile River into blood. One, because it was the main water source and it was very important to the Egyptians. But it was also because there was multiple Egyptian gods that they served that were, were important to the Egyptians. And I, I've even got a couple pictures that I'm going to share with you just because I think it illustrates for us just a little bit about what the Egyptians were serving and how our God is so mighty and so powerful and how he is truly the one and only God. And there is no one else that can stand against our God. He is the almighty God. So, right, we got number one, the Nile turned into blood. That's the first one. Well, you got the Egyptian god, Canaan, who's the guardian of the river source. He couldn't do anything about it. We got a picture here. This, uh, the first picture, no, go back. We got Happy or Hapi. He's the Egyptian god of the Nile. He had no control over God turning the river into blood. You've got Osiris, who the Nile was supposedly his bloodstream. There was nothing that he could do about it. Then you've got the second plague, which was the frogs. The frogs of the Egyptians were a symbol of fertility. It was a very important symbol to the Egyptians. And they had a fertility goddess, and she had no control over the plague that was sent upon them. There was nothing that they could do to stop that plague. Then you've got lice. Lice was the third plague that was sent upon the Egyptians. And they had Geb, who is pictured here. He was the god of the earth. There was nothing that he could do to control, to stop that dust from being turned into lice when God chose to turn it into the tiny insects of lice that took over the land. Then when he sent the flies, there was another god named Yucatec, the fly god. There was nothing he could do to stop all the flies from coming and taking over the land. Next, he sent the disease upon the cattle. There were one, two, three, four different gods and goddesses that were supposed to be able to protect the cattle and the land and the water that, that took care of the cattle and, and provided for them. None of them could protect the cattle and stop the slaughter from, from taking the disease on the cattle. Then it was the boils. They had healing gods and goddesses. None of them could prevent the boils from coming over them. Then we had the hail, the seventh plague. Nut, a sky goddess. They had Isis, a goddess. They had Seth, a god. That None of them could stop the plagues from coming. The eighth plague, the locusts. They had, they had a god who was supposed to be able to protect from that a goddess, but she could not stop it. The ninth plague, which was darkness. They have a sun god. They have a moon god named Thoth, who I have a picture of here. None of these gods could do anything to stop 
God from being able to bring these plagues upon Egypt. Finally, we get to the tenth and final plague, right? Which is the death of the firstborn. This is where we get to an interesting one. Because the people of Egypt looked at Pharaoh as well as a god. To the Egyptians, Pharaoh was a god to them. And so the reality was is the fact that when, when this plague came, and even Pharaoh was not able to save his own firstborn son, and that he was not able to protect him as a god to the Egyptians. It showed how truly almighty God was over the Egyptians. And to the Egyptians, that was, that was like the final straw to them of how really almighty God was over all of them. How else should die almighty he was. That he had control over everything. They thought they had control in all these different areas with all their different Egyptian gods and goddesses that they served, that they looked to, that they prayed to. But they realized that Pharaoh and all these other gods had no control over life, over death, over all these other areas. So what does this say about our God? Well, again, it says that El Shaddai is bigger than all other gods. He's bigger than all other gods. He upended every single Egyptian God. He showed up the entire Egyptian religious system because it truly had no power. It was baseless. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means for us today that, that oftentimes we worship all kinds of different things. Many of us worship all kinds of different small g gods. We worship status. We worship relationships. We worship attractions, pleasures, entertainment, jobs, money, sex, sleep, relationships, all kinds of things take precedent in our lives. And they become little g-gods to us. And we have to be careful with them. The reality is, is our God is bigger than all of them. And we can only serve one God truly. God Almighty El Shaddai is more powerful more than powerful enough to do whatever he desires to do, right? None of these other gods could stop God from doing what it was he was wanting to do. God cannot be manipulated. He's not like the Egyptian gods. He's not like any other god who can be manipulated or talked into doing something other than what he intends on doing. After the first couple of plagues, the Egyptians or the little g-gods couldn't replicate what God Almighty was trying to do. And sometimes we try to do this in our lives. We say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do if you help me to work through the challenge that I'm facing. God, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go if you help me through this thing. Or we say things like, if I'm good enough, why didn't God give me what I wanted? God is more than powerful enough to do whatever he wants to do. What else does it say? It says that God Almighty El Shaddai is big enough to give his people what they need. God is more than big enough to give his people what they need. For his people in Egypt, 
The Israelites, he was going to provide for them. He was going to bring them freedom from the captivity that they were facing for over 400 years in Egypt. He was going to give them the promised land that he had told his for, their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about. He was going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. They would re receive total provision and satisfaction from God. What about us today? Well, do we go before him and ask? Are we asking God for that? Are we asking that he provide for us? Are we asking that he would help us through the challenges that we're facing? Today? Are we asking that God will give us freedom from the things that are holding us down? El Shaddai is big enough to give his people what they need. God Almighty El Shaddai is entirely knowable. God is entirely knowable. Yahweh, I am, proved the Egyptian gods to be completely worthless. But he also proved himself to be totally knowable to his people. They hadn't seen God or known God, or they hadn't seen God move in 400 years, and now he was moving in front of them in a massive way. They experienced him. They knew him now in a real way, just like those times that you've seen God move in your life personally, where he proved that he was bigger than any of the challenges that you were facing in your life. God is entirely knowable. And finally, God Almighty is completely worthy of our worship and our trust. God is completely worthy of our worship and our trust. We were created to worship. We're all going to worship something. We all worship something in our lives. What are we worshiping? That's the question. What are we worshiping? Or who are we worshiping? God Almighty? Our provider? Our job? Our list of little g gods? Who is it? Who are we or what are we worshiping? And I want to share with you this morning that if we're worshiping anything other than God Almighty, we're going to end up disappointed. A relationship with God through Christ's death and resurrection is life. Because Jesus paid the price for our sin. And we can't get right by worshiping what we want to worship. Sin tries to tell us that. It tells us that if we do what we want, eventually we'll end up in the right place. We think when we worship the long list of everything else, that satisfaction will end us up at the, the goal that we want. But we know eventually it'll just lead us to disappointment. So here's a better alternative. Submit to God and work hard at what he's asking you to do. But put your trust in the Almighty, the mountain, and then know that he will provide for you. He provides when you don't understand. That's the greatest thing in the world. You know what? There's times when we just simply don't understand. When we're confused and we're going, man, I just don't get it. I don't understand how I found myself here. Just trust in Him in those times. Cling to Him. He is our refuge. He's our safe place. If we trust in Him and we just say, I'm going to hold on to Him in this time, God will protect you and be with you in those times. He provides when everything is good. He provides when things seem impossible. He provides at all times. 
He provides when we face a struggle. He provides when we're hurting. He provides when we feel alone. He provides when we feel as though we have everything around us. He provides when life seems perfect. He is our provider. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. Rachel, if you could come back up at this point, please. So this morning, as we get ready to close out with our time of prayer, again, I want to ask you the question this morning. Who or what are you worshiping? Who or what are you worshiping? Another question, though, is what challenges are you facing? Are you living in captivity? And not, not maybe captivity such as the Egyptians or the Israelites were underneath the Egyptian control, but maybe there's something in your life that has bound you up in captivity. And it's time to say, I need to ask God to free me from this. And today is the day to ask Him. If you ask God, God is going to help you get the freedom you so earnestly desire. If you seek Him, if you earnestly run to Him, and you surrender it to Him, God will provide the freedom and the victory that you desire in your life. Maybe you came in today and, and you've been struggling to believe for provision for something in your life. I want to encourage you this morning, keep faith and trust that as you pursue God, know that He will always remain faithful and He will provide at the perfect time according to His perfect will. God is good, and we need to continue to keep our eyes fixed upon Him. Why? Because He is the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. God will provide in your situation. Whether it's needing deliverance and freedom from something, whether it's needing help saying, you know what, God, I've been worshiping the wrong things. And I realize today I need to turn my eyes away from that onto you and worshiping you as the almighty God. Maybe you've just been struggling in your faith and saying, you know what, I've just, I've been struggling in my faith and I've been, I've been wavering and placing my faith in other things. And today I need to just say, you know what, God, I fully place my faith in you today. My faith is in you and you alone and in nothing so this morning, myself and a few of our other leaders are going to be up here for prayer. And if you would like prayer for one of those things, I'd encourage you to come forward. But as always, if you'd like prayer for something else, you're more than welcome to come forward for prayer for that. Also, if you'd like to find a spot up here by yourself, feel free to come forward and find a spot by yourself.